1: Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I am the host, as always. We're going to do a little bit of a different show today. The trade deadline is approaching, so we are all in on the trade deadline right now. And joining us to do
2: that is our guy Arjun.
1: Arjun, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight?
2: Uh, Doing very well. Uh, My Michigan Wolverines, 8 0 heading into our bye week. So even if the Chargers aren't you know, keeping me happy. I have one team that's keeping me pretty happy and, uh, amid uh, amid all the scandal that's going on, we're still, (laughs) we're still undefeated and no one can take that away from me. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about the scandal before, before the, we
1: started recording, but Hey man, ain't no is ain't no Michigan Wolverines look fantastic. Should certainly be a very fun, entertaining finish to college football for the Wolverines. Uh maybe Tyler's partial Ohio State fandom might come into play there. We'll see. Should be a fun, fun end of season there. But Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Screw Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so yeah, like I said, we're gonna be uh kind of skipping the the Bears game. We'll have a bit more of a preview on saturday um but we wanted to do uh, a trade deadline preview with arjun today uh, there's a lot of conversations going on in the fan base should they should the chargers be buyers should they be sellers who could they be targeting uh so we wanted to have that kind of conversation and of course include arjun uh so we could get a lot of the financial aspects out of the way a lot of the like legitimate uh trade returns as well so uh to be a fun conversation um and we'll we'll see where we can get with uh, potential trade targets and, and things like that. So hopefully the Chargers are actually uh making some acquisitions this year because last year when we spent so much time on this, they did nothing and it was <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but you know it is what it is. So Arjun, we'll start with you uh on this this thing here. We we talked to Brad Spielberger on the Chargers channel just about where the Chargers at from a, a cap standpoint. In terms of trade acquisitions, we'll start there. What is kind of the charger's resources from a financial standpoint in terms of being able to acquire a trade asset at the deadline?
2: yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, right now, the the chargers are are basically sitting at around like nine million dollars in terms of effective cap space. Um, typically, you know the chargers won't spend up to the cap, and so they won't really spend that whole 9 million they like to roll over some of that cap so i i'd, I'd say they probably have about four to five million dollars if they want to spend um in terms of picking up the remainder of a player's base salary um but i think the bigger problem is like you have to be wary about what type of contract you're picking up what type of player right. you're picking up simply because the los angeles chargers have the second least amount of cap space entering uh this off season. and we'll talk a little bit about restructures and everything later but it's not an easy process to get uh, below the cap for for March basically
3: yeah that makes sense as it pertains to the Chargers then being potential sellers another thing we talked about with Brad is the bit of a surprise that JC Jackson had a 20.8 million dollar dead cap hit next year for the Chargers how does that factor into the Chargers ability to be sellers at all because I think fans are willing to just say oh we can trade Joey Boso away we can trade this player away and we'll just get you know a pick for them right but it's really not as simple as that. A lot of these guys have guarantees over the course of several seasons or whatever. So, how does that relate to, say, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, basically all the common names that some of social media has brought up over the past few weeks?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is like, if you trade a player, like all of their guaranteed money. It gets accelerated into the, the next year they get traded so for jc that 20 million i think 20 million dollar dead cap hit or 15 million it all gets accelerated into 2024 so really if the Chargers are going to become sellers at the deadline we're really talking about like next year being a complete rebuild year um mm-hmm. because you're gonna have a lot of dead money on the books you're gonna have a lot of money you're paying to players who aren't on the team who aren't producing for the team and you just can't spend that money elsewhere if you're probably you're probably building towards a competitive roster in 2025. But, you know, and also in 2025, we don't know if Keenan Allen's going to be on the roster. We don't know, uh, you know, who's going to be, who Justin Herbert's going to be throwing the ball to, who he's going to be handing the ball off to. There aren't a lot of young pieces right now in terms of skill position players for the Chargers that we can, or even like corners that we can look to and say like, yeah, we have guys that are going to be here for the next five, six years. So I think if they are going to be complete sellers, we can... i I hate to say it but we can probably write off 2024 as being a competitive year for the chargers and it's honestly probably in their best interest to not tank but you know try to get a top 10 pick so that they can get a a viable weapon or a a great player at a premium position that they can build around on either side of the ball
1: yeah i think that's the that's the discussion here right is how viable is is being sellers because it's not just as simple as like you get rid of this player and, and you know, voila, right? Like you have these cap ramifications for next season. You have, you know, uh culture impacts, you have things like that. My, my biggest curiosity from trading away players is, are these players who theoretically could be shipped off in the off season versus doing that now? So like, We've had this conversation about the the quote-unquote big four being Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. What's the benefit of trading one of those players now? I don't think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are getting traded. I think both of those players are, uh, you know, the conversation is kind of tabled right now with the way Keenan is playing and Mike and his injury. But theoretically, one of these edge rushers, Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa, are going to be off the team after this season. So what's the cost benefit of trading them now versus waiting and either cutting or trading them in the offseason?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the main thing is you get draft capital back, which is which is huge. The other thing with trading them is you could have these talks with other teams that the other teams will pick up part of this player's base salary. So Mm. as we saw with JC Jackson, the Chargers had about 10 million, 10 to 10.5 million dollars that they had to pay of JC's base salary, which is like a weekly payment. Um, the Chargers had to pay about nine million of that, while the Patriots picked up like the rest of that one to two million that was re- that was left over. So on top of the cap savings you're going to get in future years, you're also going to have a little bit more cap space that you gain in 2023, which can be rolled over into 2024. Um, and you know if you're going to be selling, you don't really need the cap space in 2023, but it does provide a little more cap relief um then if you if you if you traded him versus cutting him say in march where you don't really get anything back and instead you just eat a ton of dead money
3: what are the not the chargers but any team looking to acquire a player what typically are teams looking for in these contracts because again we, we talked about the charges like oh trade away joey bosa but there's there's years there's injury history there's obviously the size of the contract like what are teams generally either prioritizing or looking for when it comes to these contracts? Is it as simple as just young guy on expiring
2: deal? No, that's a good question. I think um, I honestly like contracts don't matter as much, I would say, when it comes to trades, at least for my opinion, because when a when a team trades for a contract, they are not liable for the they're usually not liable for the guaranteed money. So, like when we traded for when the chargers traded for Khalil Mack they I think he had three years left on his deal and the Chargers had zero guaranteed money until they restructured him so Mm -hmm. when you look at it from that perspective like yeah the Chargers picked like you know they traded for him and if they wanted to create cap space they did restructure his deal which created guaranteed money they had to pay but if the Chargers didn't restructure him in 2022 and they instead restructured Joey Bosa back then the Chargers could have cut Khalil Mack outright and had no dead money involved so to me I don't think I don't think contracts matter as much because the team picking up the contract won't really have any guaranteed money to pay I think what you're looking for schematic fit how how well can they pick up a playbook which that's where you're kind of going back to your college scouting grid, you're going back to what your college scout said and said in terms of his IQ in terms of his football intelligence um even your pro scouts, like even some of these guys have contacts around the league, you'll probably hit them up. And then also I think age matters a little bit. And to an extent, depending on how competitive you're expecting to be uh, from a playoff perspective, like I think you do want some guys with playoff experiences because they know that environment, they know how to go on the road and win or, or, you know, handle uh, opposing crowd noises. So I think it's probably a mix of scheme fit, a little bit of age, but I wouldn't worry too much about contracts, especially because of the guaranteed stuff I talked about. Yeah, I, I
1: I think generally though it's it's easier to justify like, you know, if you're a team inheriting a player, it's easier if the deal is over after this current season, right? Yeah, basically. All right. So, you know, this is a this is the conversation, right? Like we wanted to do just kind of like a debrief of of what teams look for, what really is happening now, you know, in, in that regard. Um now let's I, I want to have this discussion about what should the chargers do i think the chargers are like what they are thinking is a different conversation here because the this regime went all in on this season so like i don't think the chargers think that they should be sellers i think whether or not they are buyers is a different conversation um but from our perspective and tyler i'll start with you on this one should in your opinion the Chargers be sellers next week
3: no it's almost oddly too early i think i think i I wish there were even an option for the chargers to be sellers that doesn't seem like there's a great viable one there i think i i i'm on the fence of buyers at this point but that does not mean that i want them to acquire justin jefferson i mean i'd love that but i'm not saying that i would like to them to be buyers and be huge buyers but i think they need to add some of the pieces that have not been there this season that frankly they just should have taken care of a few months ago
1: what about you Arjun do you think the Chargers should be sellers or do you think they should be
2: buyers next week I think in my mind uh they should be sellers just because I don't know I this this team just do, just doesn't seem like it's heading in a, in a good direction even this year um injuries have obviously hurt a little bit with Lindsley and Mike out um but I, I do that's what I think they should do but just because I know Tom Telesco and Brandon Sealy we kind of know this is kind of an all-in year for them you don't restructure your four four of the oldest players on your team yeah and you know t- give them all that guaranteed money knowing that you know or thinking that this isn't your last year like if you don't make the playoffs like it's probably it's probably wraps for both of them just obje- obje- objectively speaking so I think because of that I think they should be buyers Cause if I'm a GM and I know like, okay, it's make or break for me. Like I'm using all of my resources that I can to yeah. improve this roster because it's like an old bill Polian quote who Tom Tom Telesco worked under, right? It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to like save money for your next, for the next person. And so that's exactly right. the position Tom Telesco's in. You have $9 million in cap space. Uh, you can restructure some other contracts to free up more cap space. If you want to like, this is the roster you decided to go all in with and uh, you can't really back out now so might as well go even deeper and then cuz it's not going to be your problem anymore if it doesn't work out
1: yeah that's a that's an, an interesting point with the bill pullian quote i think you know benjamin solak who does uh, stuff for the ringer always says the number one job of a gm is to keep your job um, you know and this is an instance where i think the chargers should be aggressive both because they are fighting for their job security and also because i i just i am anti-tank like i want to see my team win games and I, I think it's it's easy to justify going out and being buyers because the chargers theoretically don't need a lot like you look at you know teams who are trying to contend and, and have had a lot of injuries like the buffalo bills for example they probably need to be aggressive and go get a receiver a linebacker a safety like something You know, the Chargers really don't need like premium players out there. You know, they're, they're probably not in the conversations of like the Chase Youngs and Montez Sweat and things like that, but they have some other positions of need that could very easily be addressed. And so for that, for me, like, why would I not be interested in buying these pieces? Because I'm not going to go out and be searching for a premium edge rusher because I have three of them. I'm not going to be out searching for, you know, a, a premium wide receiver because I have Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer playing great. And, Theoretically, Quentin Johnston. Although I think they could certainly add a depth piece there, but it's not like the charters have like a super expensive need. They got to go out and find right now. Like it's we we'll get the, some candidates in here in a second, but it's like a blocking tight end, a slot corner. Like it, it's not unreasonable for them to go out and find these pieces. So that's where I'm at. I think from a selling standpoint, like I think it makes mathematical sense, like for this team to to offload some assets, get some draft picks and, and see where we're at next year, especially with like Arjun is saying, it's, it's going to be pretty tough for them to get under the cap next year. And they're not going to have a ton of, you know, compensatory picks coming in from this past off season. So that part, I I do understand where people are coming from in regards to like future draft capital offloading assets now, and, and kind of getting the best case scenario for 2024, which would having be, you know, like 10, nine, 10 draft picks.
3: Arjun, we were struggling to figure out who the Chargers' best trade away candidates would be. Like, who could they sell? Um, typically, we're looking at like maybe a log jam at a particular position. I, I guess I assume if they trade away Joy Bosa or whoever, that the team knows they're done. Maybe assuming that the team is not completely done. I don't know. But like, who do you see being their biggest assets to trade away that also seems like one, someone they could trade away, and two, mm-hmm another team would actually want because I believe it or not, not everyone's trading a first round pick for the bad player on the chargers. Like (laughs) everyone kind of (laughs) keeps assuming that there's, you know, we've been chargers fans have been trying to offload Jerry Tillery for a second for four years. And guess what? It doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Um, So who's a player or a couple of players on the chargers right now who kind of fit the could be sold.
2: Yeah. I like, honestly it would be either Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa. And I think the main thing for me, when trading away these players is like, how is it going to benefit the chargers? Like trading away Morgan Fox, like you're probably going to just get like a sixth or seven for him. But like, even more than that, like he's going to be off the books anyway, or he signed he it, a year. He's another year. Yeah. But even that like extra year, like you already guaranteed, I think a decent amount of his contracts. Like you're not too deep into that with Joey Bosa, you have a couple of years left on his deal. I think again, if you're in that mindset of, we're gonna not be that we know we're not going to be competitive in 2024 let's just accelerate all of his dead money same thing with killin mac um i think just getting kind of the longer term deals off the books early getting high draft capital or as high as draft capital as you can get for him uh in in a situation where he's playing hurt but he's like he he didn't he wasn't on the injury report today so like he's getting healthier i think those are the players you want to target you want to want to get the guys with the high debt with the high debt caps just so like if you know you have to cut them like you're actually going to get something back now versus nothing in march or february when you have to make that decision
1: so if the Chargers were to theoretically make some calls hey joey bosa is available from a draft capital standpoint what are we looking at because i think you're hearing these teams who are interested in like daniel hunter you know the washington uh, edge rushers you know, Brian Burns, um, these kind of guys are all being talked about as, you know, first round pick, couple seconds, you know, like Brian Burns, the, the Carolina Panthers could have traded Brian Burns last year for two first round picks. Um, I don't think Joey Bosa is in that same kind of conversation. You're talking about some younger players on the rise. You're talking about some players who have never been injured. So in terms of trade value, what what really is Joey's trade value if the Chargers did decide to sell him off?
2: I think it's it's kind of difficult. I think for me to to picture that because he hasn't really had like a complete season. I feel like since 2020, uh, which is where he like you know really had a. Or yeah, he played a lot in 2021, but I, I think people would say like 2020 was his best year in like the last couple four years, right? Like he he even talked about like understating like his run defense has gotten a little bit worse. Like he wasn't he had mm-hmm. to trans trans. Uh, Switch from a four-three DN to a three-four outside linebacker. Um, but that also probably, you know, him playing in multiple schemes probably does increase his trade value. Um, but I would say like his trade value probably comes out to be a second-round pick. Um, mm-hmm. it could be like a third and a fourth, it could be three-fourths, it could just be like a combination of picks to get to a second-round pick. Um, he's, he's get, he's a little bit on the older side now. Like, again, I haven't seen that elite production from him since 2020, really 2021, I guess. But like, again, that's still like two years away or two years before. Um, it's, it's good that he already signed his contract and the chargers have guaranteed a ton of money so that the team that's taking on his contract, uh, won't be on the books for that much. But again, I think the combination of age and just the lack of production will kind of drive down his value a little bit. And the fact that like, you know, I feel like teams have given Thule a little bit more attention than they have Joey and outside of that two sack game that Joey had against the Titans. Like we haven't really seen the splash plays that we're accustomed to. I think he was probably the best pass rusher against the chiefs, but again, like they still didn't get home. They only got home once. Right. So um, I would probably say his value comes out to be a second round pick, whether it is just a straight second or a combination of picks to, to get to a, a mid late second rounder.
3: I guess I don't know what I expected for Joey's value, but second round sounds better than what I would have guessed, Well,
1: equivalent.
2: Like you're talking about sure. equivalent of a second round or not second round or outright, right? We yeah, it could or either. it could be both. Like I'm just, I think it could be okay. both, either or.
3: No, either way, like the second round or a second round or equivalent. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's so tough. So early. I, I'm curious how it all be affected by the fact that he. I mean do we all feel that Joey actually is going to play the rest of that contract, whether he's with the Chargers or not? Like I'm curious how much another team would weigh the fact that Joey, because of injuries, because of the discussions of mental health and concussions, like, yeah, is this a guy actually even going to play the rest of that contract? Is it worth the third and fourth in the end? If he just retires at the end of this year,
1: I don't think he would retire at the end of the year. I think it's tough for me to envision him signing another contract. Yeah. Unless he's like unless it's like full bill of clean health the rest of this year and next year. Like if next year he's like fully healthy and like he has he he says every summer that he's in like the he's the healthiest he's ever been. But if next year he actually is like the healthiest he's ever been, I don't know, like maybe at that point I could see him continuing to play. But it it's tough for me to envision Joey playing like another contract because I think he's like you mentioned, he's been very open about his struggles with the concussions. And he's had two injuries this year. like he's playing with a, a steel toed boot basically out there to protect his toe right now. Um, it's it's a lot. And eventually these kind of injuries, like he's and he's dealt with everything like tricep, back, <laughs> bicep, knee, ankle, like it's rolling. been everything yeah. concussions, abs, like it's it's been a lot. So I, I right now, me personally, I, I do have kind of have a tough time seeing him playing out through a, a third contract. I think like this contract is, is kind of it for Joey.
3: All righty. Uh, Do we want to get into some of these trade either? Kennedy well, I,
1: I I am curious about Austin Eckler in this conversation because okay. he is on, he is on an expiring contract. Like running back injuries are popping up around the league. Like the Browns are potentially losing Jerome Ford again. And you know, people are talking about the Browns trading for Derrick Henry or, or whatever the case may be. Running back is such a nutrition position, so like I think Austin Eckler is worth talking about if you're talking about like selling off pieces. You obviously have to weigh the comp pick formula there and see like what he would fetch next year. But Arjun, what's your what are your thoughts about Austin Eckler being a trade piece?
2: I I think it is possible, um, and like I I wouldn't say any team that trades for him would would automatically have to extend him. Uh, but just because he's on an expiring deal but they could eventually resign him uh, sure. an example of this naheem hines got traded to the bills on the to the bills um and then he signed a two-year deal this offseason uh, obviously he's not playing at all because he got hurt but um there have been examples of like running backs getting traded to a team not necessarily getting extended right away but um but like eventually signing a deal after like you know, Denver took it uh, traded for Chase Edmonds, and I don't think he's on the roster there anymore. I think he's uh, where is he? I know he's on
1: a roster. I think I just saw a thing about him getting activated off into reserve.
2: Yeah, or like even like Miami last year, right? They traded for Jeff Wilson, so. Um, there are examples, I guess, of, of teams trading for these type of running backs. Eckler, I think if, if a team were to trade for him, it, you'd probably look at a team that needs a receiving back more than a running back. They'd sure. probably scale back his workload or just keep him as a preferred goal line back or in a third down back. But I don't think it's completely out of the question. And I think you know, Josh Kelly, I, to me, has been – Eckler hasn't played that much, but Josh Kelly, to me, has been a better rusher – than Eckler has been um that kind of burst we saw in that 45-yard run like that is that was some serious juice from him there so um yeah I don't I don't think Eckler's completely out of the question and I think because he's not getting paid as much I think there are a lot of way avenues for him to get traded to a team just because they're not gonna have to take on that much of his contract what What's does like,
3: yeah I down. think the same I think of the same question what does that trade look like then what could you trade yeah. what does Austin Eckler fetch
2: we're we're, we're talking about a running back who's in his seventh year right um so ankle injury ankle yeah probably a sixth at most i would say
1: and and comp pick you're probably not looking at much more than that
2: no i don't even know if he'd fetch a comp pick in his eighth year as a running back like that's i'm not that it's not like wishful thinking but like i just if no team was willing to trade for him this offseason and like kind of offer him the contract he, he thinks he's gonna get, then I don't think yeah. there's any way on the open market that we saw Miles Sanders who ran for a thousand yards and only got 6.5 million off his rookie deal. I don't think Eckler's gonna get more than that in his year eight, so can't see that happening.
1: Yeah, all right, guys. Any uh, anybody else you think maybe has like a a chance of being a trade tip? I would have said Gerald Everett, honestly. But now he's injured, <laughs> dealing with a hip injury, which yeah. we don't know the extent of. So um, that's kind of off the table. But Arjun, anybody else you think would have a chance of maybe being in an uh, enticing trade piece at the Chargers do decide to be sellers?
2: I I don't, honestly.
1: All right. Tyler, anybody
3: else you wanted to ask about maybe? No, that's it. Honestly, it's it's a weird situation where somebody is either stuck or even injured. So they're kinda of, charges are kind of stuck in a lot of spots.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think like we we had a conversation
1: in our group chat about like in the in the offseason that was like, what about Asante or what about Michael Davis? Like, what do you do with those guys? But it's just been not great so far. Yeah, so... I wasn't wrong about them trading a corner. I just didn't think it'd be <laughs> Fair, fair. We also didn't predict the the toxicity of that situation either, No, but it is what it is.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: hey what's up chargers fans make little caesars the official pizza sponsor of the nfl part of your game day order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before nfl games and get ready for some football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff.
3: Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charge podcast. I'm here to talk about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using PrizePix so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100.
1: It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash chargers. All right, let's get to the more fun part of this conversation. Uh, we've each prepared some trade targets for the Chargers to go out and potentially acquire. So we'll we'll go around the horn here a little bit, mention some names, talk about what we like about the fits and things like that. Um, Arjun, we'll start with you. Who's who's your favorite trade target for the Chargers to go out and acquire next week?
2: Um, it's someone that I feel like the Giants should be trading, and it is Paris Campbell. He's someone that I wanted them to sign in free agency just so they wouldn't waste a pick uh, in the draft for a receiver with speed. Um, Campbell is, is pretty like his, he's very fast. Um, obviously, we have Darius Davis kind of in that speed role. But Davis hasn't been anything more than a gadget guy, jet sweeps, sh- screen passes. Um, I think Campbell can be used in a more refined role. Obviously, I think if he is, you know, if they do trade for him, I don't really see a need for Jalen Guyton, to be honest. Um, And I I think Campbell just presents a different element to this offense that no one else does. Um, Obviously, I think he, it it is a little bit concerning to me that the Colts let him go and they, they drafted Josh Downs to replace him. And then now he's not even getting snaps over Wandale Robinson. So that's probably a sign that he's not great, but. Um, again like when i was just looking through potential receivers to trade for i think his name stood out in terms of cheap contract you're probably not going to pay more than a million for him probably going to be around like five to six hundred k so that helps the charges cap space out um he's, he fits a need which is just having more speed on the field which everyone seems to clamor for and then yeah like i said expiring contract so you, you get a rental of him uh, you, get a, you get to see what he is he's a rental and then after that kind of you know, let him go on the open market or if he does produce you know you can bring him back and because you only had him for half a year he's probably not going to cost that much in the future
3: yeah the, the hang-up for me for really talking about any receiver was obviously Jalen Guyton's activation or the yeah. activation of the window to return but at yeah. the same time if you look at someone like paris campbell who can contribute on special teams you know, we talk about okay who's going to be cut when Jalen guyton returns it doesn't necessarily have to be simi Fuhoko. it could be elijah dotson it could be zach bailey Or whatever. So, in the same kind of way, you could take a Paris Campbell over a Semi Fajoko, and have those guys round out your room and carry six, rather than have to cut someone on the receiving core to fit Jalen Guyton back. Like you could just have six guys. So you get rid of Fajoko, bring in Campbell, uh, and then Guyton returns at some point. So I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind that either. I think um,
1: you know he's he's mostly a slot guy, but I do think that actually could benefit the Chargers right now because you know we talked about uh this on the on the chargers episode with brett and ej you know the slot snaps for mike williams were such an important aspect of what Kilmore is going to bring into the season and they haven't given quentin johnston those snaps it's been just kind of more 12 personnel sets you know josh palmer playing in the, in the slot a little bit more so getting like a guy like Paris Campbell, I think would benefit them. And it would kind of open up some part of that. Mike Williams packages. Obviously they're not similar receivers by any means, but just having a, a another weapon in the slot that they trust, I think could be beneficial there. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: so Tyler, what's uh who's your number one trade target for this chargers team? I believe you've taught, you kind of hit on some of this earlier. You talked about either blocking tight end or slot corner. That is definitely what makes up a lot of my list. Um, so for me, if he's available I'm on a team that's not doing so hot, I'm looking at Troy Hill. I, I think at some point mm. you need to understand that John Taylor is who he is at this point in his career. I think you're worried about what he is in coverage, which is right now giving up, you know, 250 yards um in the slot and not looking so great. It certainly was not his best day the last couple of weeks. Um, I think there's an uh, an issue of maybe communication, responsibility. You know, if Brandon Staley, if he's saying that part of the issue in the defense and the coverage is just knowing responsibilities, knowing the defense, understanding coverage, leverages, whatever, passing things off, you name it. I think someone like Troy Hill, obviously we've been asking sort of for on the team for like three separate years now in different scenarios. (laughs) But like, I do feel like it would fit. And frankly, at this point, I'll take a player who's given up, and I think it's a hundred yards over the last six games. I think he's given up 37 yards last three games playing Detroit. Pretty good offense, Miami. and, And I can't figure out the third. I can't remember the third one. Um, but some pretty good off Oh, the Vikings um, mm, mm-hmm. debatable on the whole good offense part there, but still um, I'll, I'll take that honestly. <laughs> so I, I just think that especially if Dean Leonard, we'll see how the injury turns out there. John Taylor is always going to be a special teamer. Um, but I think right now, like that's more where he's at. And I think if you're trying to buy a player and trying to get a player, they got to hit the ground running because this team cannot afford to lose really anything for quite some time. And so I think Troy Hill is an easy insertion into the defense because of the familiarity. Yeah, I think that's a good
1: one. I think like there is a real conversation to be had about Jasir Taylor and some of his struggles because what you're talking about in terms of like communication and passing off routes like that to me is is the biggest struggle that I've seen so far on his tape is there are instances where you can clearly tell like either he's expecting the linebacker to take a different route or the linebacker linebacker is expecting him to take the different route. And sometimes him and the linebacker, whether it's Kenneth Murray or Nick Neiman or Eric Hendricks, they both go to the same player. And there's a lot of miscommunications happening um, in that regard of just like cleanly passing off routes. And that led to the big Rasheed Rice play in the second half. It led to a big C.D. Lamb play at, in the red zone against the Cowboys. So I, I think individually when Jasir has been asked to play like a little bit man-to-man coverage, I think he's been Okay. But it's just like the passing off routes, specifically in zone coverage, has been a big struggle of his, in my opinion.
3: Cool, uh, Arjun. Whoa! Well, oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, we did Arjun. Ignore. We me. did Arjun.
1: Okay. Sorry. Um. To no surprise, I am going to talk about a blocking tight end. Uh, this is such a need for the Chargers. Um. You know, I mentioned this on on Twitter, but if you filter run blocking snaps. To at least 30 snaps on PFF, there have been 87 tight ends who have logged at least 30 run blocking snaps. Uh, Gerald Everett has the highest run blocking grade of the Chargers' tight ends, which is not even Gerald Everett's forte. It's that's not why you signed Gerald Everett to run block, um, and he's like in the 30s. He's like 35th. Um, Stone Smart, Donald Parham, and Trey McKitty are all under 75 like they are bottom third of the league and run blocking grades and and like i'm not a huge proponent of just saying like pff grade is this that means this right like the film also has to match and in this case it does the chargers tight ends after Gerald everett are not good blockers right now i think the chargers trusted these guys to develop and and you know trey mckitty flashed some good signs as a rookie and, and donald parham had a good 2021 20, before being injured that development has not happened. And run blocking, pass protection from the tight end group is a massive issue right now. And the Chargers love to run out of 12 personnel. They love to, they love to run out of 13 personnel. Um, it, it's such an issue, though. You got They're getting washed across their face. They're getting stood up at the line of scrimmage. It is such a need. And eventually, whether that is promoting Nick Vanetti or trading for a tight end, like you got to do something different. You can't just keep asking for this group to keep blocking the way that you are asking them because it's not working. So the tight end of choice for me uh, is Mo Ali Cox, the uh, big tight end from the Indianapolis Colts. They have um, I forget his first name. Ogletree is is kind of their tight end one who they love, young player. They also have Jelani Woods behind Mo Ali Cox, so. Mo is kind of expendable for them. And the reason I chose Mo over a guy like Mercedes Lewis or somebody else is actually because Mo Alleycox has an affordable contract after this season. Um, like Arjun talked about, he doesn't have any guaranteed money on that contract. So you theoretically could move on from him in the offseason if you wanted to, or you can keep him and you could stabilize your blocking tight end position, which has been in need ever since Virgil Green left uh and so molly cox has been a guy who has historically graded out very very well in the run blocking department in the pass blocking department he's six five he's 265 pounds like he's a big tight end that can really come in and impose his will at tight end and the chargers do not have that uh player currently on the roster um brad spielberger we mentioned him a few times on the show has has uh has mentioned molly cox in a few of his articles and thinks he would only cost a seventh round pick. So for me, that's kind of a no-brainer. You stabilize the blocking position for this year and next year. He doesn't cost you a lot financially. He only costs a seventh round pick. So Mo Ali Cox is, is my number one choice here.
3: Yeah, I, I think a spoiler for really a lot of the list and a lot of a top 10 that I could have made, a lot of blocking tight ends on here. Uh, <laughs> he was certainly one of them. Um, I didn't yeah. put any on the list specifically, but... I mean, we could go obviously any of the seattle guys we talked about this literally last year at this yeah. time that trio um in particular for me colby parkinson you mentioned no offense will disley i think parkinson is the one um with the expiring contract doesn't cost much probably would fetch more or require more than someone like Moali cox um mercedes lewis obviously that sounds great frankly if they want to give up robert tanyan at this point that's fine by me like anything at this point because gerald Everett did not practice the hip injury as of today uh, donald prime is one functioning hand trey mckitty is inactive at this point and stone yeah. smart um god love him i think he hustles his butt off and has some good blocks but he's not an inline blocking tight end type so surprise you know tight end is a big need and focus for me on my trade list i've already shared some there you've got Molali cox there so yeah uh, it's a need and i wish they had addressed it earlier but now they got to get it done yeah colby parkinson probably a dream scenario but uh,
1: you know, the, the Seahawks love him. He's a young guy that I think they probably want to build around, but Colby Parkinson definitely deserves a mention here. Uh, all right, Arjun, who's number two for you.
2: Yeah. So sticking with the blocking tight end theme, uh, I put Farrell Brown, who is the mm-hmm. kind of like tight end three for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's kind of bounced around a lot last year. Uh, Houston traded him to Cleveland. Uh, so he's pretty much just been around Houston and Cleveland for most of his career. Um, I, I did find it interesting. Brad said Mo' Ali Cox was worth a seventh because Pharaoh Brown is not as not even he's not as good as uh, Mo' Ali Cox, especially receiving wise. So if Mo' Ali Cox is getting a seventh, then this guy probably deserves less than a seventh. Uh, but we'll <laughs> we'll diverge from that. Maybe they could do a a, a pick swap in 2025 and 2026. Sure. But really. Um, Really, he's just on the field to run block. Um, I was looking at just the amount of snaps he's played this year that have been run blocking snaps, run, bo- run blocking snaps. So he's been on the field for 113 snaps in, in the Patriots games this year. He's been run blocking on 73 of them. So a majority of this, like he's literally the Patriots run blocker. They take Mike Kosicki off for him um as you reference with the pff grades like yeah i'm not someone who strictly goes off pff grades but there isn't a great way to measure run blocking unless you have literally watched every single snap from every single tight end he ranks 14th in terms of run blocking grade this year so kind of fits that mold of what we're talking about just a better run blocker than any of the chargers tight ends. so um I kind of like that he's playing in like a pro like a a system like bill o'brien's he's had experience in both zone and gap schemes in his career which i think could translate well over to the chargers where kellen moore i think will likes to mix it up a little bit so uh, i'm proposing pharaoh brown he's also very very cheap i'm not worried about his contract at all it's just i don't know what the compensation would be because he's not he doesn't play a lot so yeah
1: um, all right, Tyler, it was one of those other tight ends, a second choice for
3: you. Do you want to give another one? No, th- honestly, any of those tight ends at this point, like, like tight end was the next thing. So whoever it was, I don't care. Jeff yeah. Swam, you want to go sign Steven Anderson back, whatever, <laughs> like I'll take it at this point, anything like you're, you're actually almost out of tight ends now with injuries and inactivations and such. So, yeah. um, I'll take anything. So that would have been whatever at number two. Yeah, uh, the bar is basically at the floor right now from a blocking tight end standpoint.
1: So Mm -hmm. uh, anything will help there. Um, Yeah, I mentioned, um, you know, slot corner safety, I think is, safety is probably less of a need now because Dean Marlowe has played really, really well for this team. Um, But Jalen Mills is interesting to me. Um, He's had a, a good amount of experience in different schemes. So he could certainly pick up anything at this point. He's played corner for the Patriots. He's played safety for the Patriots. He's played safety for the Eagles. Um, so there's there's a lot of like for me, like football intelligence that comes from that kind of experience. Um, and, and maybe the Chargers do feel like they can get, you know, Jesse or Taylor to become this quality starting, you know, slot corner. But I think having a guy like him can also just ease some pressure on Derwin James and having to play him in the slot that much and be able to have a different kind of option there because dean marlowe's not playing a ton in the slot it's not really elohi's elohi gilman's uh specialty either so you just bring in some more defensive versatility even if you're not necessarily like replacing jasir taylor you're just kind of taking some pressure off of the room as a whole and adding in another versatile piece and so he's somebody that i think could make some sense for them it just from a depth standpoint um you know not necessarily replacement but more of, of a you know, guy who can come in and, and provide some depth. He is on a expiring contract. So, again, probably does not cost them very much at all. And, again, Brad Spielberger has him valued at a seventh round at draft pick on the trade market. So, just another name
3: that I think could bring some stability at the slot. So, in terms of corners, they have, obviously, they're starting three. Dean Leonard is, I think, on his way back. Do they have, do they add another corner? I know they have, like, a lot of practice. He's
2: yeah. Oh, I <laughs> no wonder I forgot. <laughs> hey.
3: I don't even think
1: he's yeah. had
3: a single snap since they signed him. No. No. So okay, with with that in mind, and that said, then yes, I, I agree with your assessment. They're a good choice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I guess I, I kind of diverging from the
1: trade conversation here for a little bit. We asked Brett Coleman about like why he thinks the Chargers are playing the way that they have been. And he mentioned speed as a concern for that group, you know, theoretically like putting his mind in the Chargers coaching staff's mind. And like, maybe they don't trust their corners to, to play the deep ball. Essentially Um, Dante Jackson has been mentioned, you know, as a, as a cornerback who can um, maybe be available here. What are your guys' thoughts about like adding an outside corner or are you just waiting for Dean Leonard to, to get healthy?
3: Given what we had seen from Dean Leonard in camp, now it's just camp, but like he looks freaking good. So I think that I'm going to jinx myself, but I actually feel comfortable waiting for Dean Leonard to get back. If you can find an obvious upgrade replacement there, maybe, but if we're looking at like seventh round trade guys and roster-ish bubble depth guys, I would love to just see what Dean Leonard could have as the depth piece. I don't think you'll see the field, but I'm, I'm actually fine with him. What are your thoughts there, Arjun?
2: Yeah, I I mean I, I find it hard to really trust in Dean Leonard, especially fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: Okay, I didn't I didn't I didn't shut him off. I <laughs> swear to God that wasn't me. Like I didn't kick him out when he said that. I swear that wasn't uh, okay, me.
2: Okay. Am I back? There we go. Right, there sorry. I think I just cut out my school Wi Fi, but um yeah, I was saying Thanks, tough to really trust. I think that like a 7th round pick in that role just because we haven't really seen him play. I also wasn't there at camp. I wasn't I couldn't really follow much of Chargers training camp since I was in New Jersey for most of the summer. Blex. Um so obviously trusting what your intel is there in terms of him performing well. Um but yeah, again, like if if they really do feel like they need to make an upgrade at corner, I would just go out and trade for one just because yeah, there are guys who've played in this type of scheme. You, you mentioned Dante Jackson, which he's playing in edro Everest scheme which is a fan kind of Fangio, right. raheem morris disciple whatever you want to call it so there are guys out there who could be upgrades over what you're getting but i just like i just don't find it easy to believe that like someone's just going to come in and be better than michael davis and asante samuel like it we've, we've already and like you talked about it like they struggle in zone because of the communication issues because they're struggling to pass off routes bringing someone in mid-season and having them start right away like the, the communication issues are probably not going to fix themselves. I'm not saying it's not it, like it could, it could fix itself theoretically, but I think it's more likely that it'll it'll compound and actually get worse than it would get better. So I'm not saying you're stuck. It's tough to say like they're stuck in this with this cornerback group, but seeing as this, as the issue has mainly been communication and that kind of passing off routes and not more of a physical thing, I don't really see it, like a true upgrade on the market in terms of corners, at least outside corners. I think there are guys I was going to propose Bryce Callahan as my last uh, yeah. upgrade or signing slash trade, but I, I still don't know why he hasn't been signed actually, but yeah, me uh, neither. Um, That that's the guy like you just get someone who knows who's literally been in this, on this team for a year and has played with these guys around him who can't communicate well.
1: Yeah. I, I think Troy Hill's a good call of, of a trade target. Cause he's been in the system. He hasn't played with these guys, but, you know, Bryce Callahan, I think, comes in and, and solves a good amount of the issues that are happening right now with this defense. And and I understand, like I, I was I thought that year had some really good moments last season. He also had some up and down play, particularly against like the Broncos. Um, you watch his tape against the Jaguars in the playoff game after Michael Davis got hurt, and you see some some moments and you see some struggles, right? Christian Kirk got him a few times, but I I can understand why you would want to have this like competition in the slot with Jasir with Asante. Now you don't have Michael Davis and it's like if Jasir gets injured <laughs> what's the plan? He's saying Bassi like I don't I don't understand that. So for me it's just like this team needs more depth and I think they do need some help in the slot and that doesn't necessarily mean like you're abandoning Jasir's ta- just your Taylor's development by any means because you you're not signing Bryce for like multiple years. You still have the chance to develop just here on the next two years of his contract, so I I do think that they 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 need
3: to do something in the slot. I think that solves a lot of their issues. All right, we're at the third guy now. I think the third guy in our, our lists, or fourth guy, or yeah. Pick, so Arjun Arjun like, mentioned whatever. his, which was Bryce. So did you have another one, Tyler? Uh, other than the tight ends I listed, um, Terrace Marshall is definitely somebody I, almost interested more so for him in 2024 because he does have another year on his deal. So this is more of a, okay, Jalen Guyton is probably gone next year. I think they're moving on from Mike Williams next year. I assume they're keeping Keenan Allen. Technically, don't know what you have in Quentin Johnston. I wouldn't be opposed to adding someone like Terrace Marshall to just, you know, even be on the back burner. And I don't know how much he'll get done this year, but injuries can happen. And also just have a guy on deck next year who doesn't cost a whole lot. I'd consider him. Can I throw out an idea that you're going to hate go for it okay considering six rounders who might not be playing to where they should be right now what do you think about adding now this is a whole thing because there's jordan mcfadden tevin jenkins oh so what's the idea here with jamar you're replacing him or you're i think if you are a team that is hoping to make the push and let now this is a lot of ifs and buts and whatnot but Tevin Jenkins, I mean, the difference in, at least statistically, the numbers are pretty beneficial. It looks better, right? 12 pressures allowed last year by Tevin Jenkins, 12 allowed so far this year for Jamari And I I just think Jamari's not quite there yet. I don't know that Tevin Jenkins really is, but having talked to EJ and talked to Brett about Tevin Jenkins and how he played and how the run game has evolved so much for the Bears over the last few weeks, because in part of him and Darnall right next to each other, um, they have Nate Davis as their high paid starter at right guard. They have Whitehair as their left guard. So, you know, Nate Davis is going to come back at some point and be their right guard. I again, I, there's so much ifs and buts in trade and like he has two more years on his deal like what are we doing? But I I'm just proposing really in general that right guard isn't completely solved for this team. Not that right tackle feels like it either, but I don't think Jamari as much as I love him and I listen, I love Jamari Sawyer. I yeah. think I think they might need he either needs to figure it out quickly, or they have to find a way to, to fix what's going on at right guard because it is costing the Chargers right now. Um, what's tough for me about that
1: is is just like they've already gone through some shuffling without Corey Lindsley out there, and to me, like it, it's it's not necessarily individual performance from mm-hmm. Jamari. You know, when he's asked to just block straight up. Like he's, he's doing a fantastic job. He had some, he had a, he had a, hello. He had a few really high level reps against Chris Jones um, is what I was trying to say there. Um, and I think you watched some of his tape against other players against Osa. He, he had some really good reps as well. You know, there are certainly times he can be had from like a speed rushing defensive tackle, but it, it's kind of the same conversation conversation with Trey Pipkins. The main issue that those two players have is communication between each other. Like there are so many times where the stunt pickup is just inconsistent. And then you see them like, look at each other and they're like, like you can tell that they're frustrated by the whole situation. And so it's just, it's not that they are not getting there as players. Like, like I think individually, like they're, they're both playing well. It's just when they have to work together. And that cohesion, I think is so important, you know, between a guard and a tackle and, and, I wish it were getting better, but it's not. So I I would worry about like having to have them pick that up again, like with a different player, whether that's through an injury or whether that's through a trade. That that's my concern because communication is already an issue there. And I wouldn't want to throw like another variable into that equation.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. One other thing I'll just throw out there, not a player, but Have you guys did you guys look at any centers while going through this exercise? Because obviously Will Claps the backup, but I mean if Corey is like we're we're gonna retire at some point, Mm. and that is the issue. Like, I feel like center would be someone they'd look at. Do you think that they would make that move? Is it can you get that you know figured out in the middle of the season? Hey, center, you're really good, you're better than Will clap, but you gotta figure it out right now, all the protection calls. And everything. I don't know how viable that is. I don't know how often teams trade centers in the middle of the year. But I think that if you were if, you, if communication is the issue um, and, and, and all that sort of stuff, I wonder if bringing in an elite guy, who is it? I have no idea. I'm proposing this because I didn't look at any centers, but it was in the back of my mind because of Corey Lindsley's <laughs> potential retirement there.
1: No, I think that's a fair conversation. Uh, Arjun, do you know of any like centers such a like not buzzworthy position um, any centers that you might know of that might be like available. I, Cause I, I haven't seen of any that are in like legitimate trade talks. I've seen like maybe Brian Allen's name thrown out there a little bit, but do you have any insight there?
2: Um, I mean, David Andrews, maybe from the Patriots, if they are trying to sell, sell pieces, kind of a veteran guy, has been around the league played under Brady played with Mac. Like, so he's had experience being with a veteran. He's probably had experience setting the protections with Mac um, had experiences in multiple offenses with Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, and then Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Um, so I think he'd be someone that you know has a decent contract, like a not a super high contract that I could see the Chargers maybe considering if they were to consider consider center. But I just, I just, I just don't think it's gonna happen. It's it's a long shot. I know you're saying it's a long shot, but he'd be the one guy I think kind of on a bad team, still a probably decent player that they could trade for.
1: I think it's, it's worth talking about because if will clap does get hurt, then we're talking about Brennan. Hymus at center. And while I understand why they kept him and I understand that like, this might be his best position. He's never played center in a real like regular season game. And frankly, he's only played it in like a couple preseason games. So I think that is worth exploring. I, think that for that to be a smooth transition would have to be somebody that the team is familiar with and that specifically justin herbert is familiar with so if we're talking about centers i think it's worth talking about dan feeney potentially coming back because i think that we've reached the dan feeney part of our discussion (laughs) wow
3: (laughs) i see what you're saying like
1: like it would have to be somebody that justin is familiar with and somebody that you're like You know, comfortable with bringing back into the scheme, and he's he's never played for like Kellen Moore, but you know there there are some similar things between like the Shane Steichen offense and the Kellen Moore offense. He's familiar with Justin Herbert. Like, I wouldn't hate it. Like, is what I'm saying because center is it's like you're not trading for a starter unless you're talking about like David Andrews. So. If you're just trying to upgrade your backup center, like I think Dan Feeney is, okay. is at least worth mentioning. That was my follow up. So this is, assuming Will Clapp is healthy, but this we're going to get a backup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Will Clapp, I, I have a tough time envisioning them trading for somebody who's better than Will Clapp at center, but trading for somebody that is better than Brendan Hymus is is definitely doable. Cool. So there we go. We got to the Dan Feeney conversation. They'll see Dan. They'll they'll see Dan this week. You know, he's a Chicago Bear. Uh, he can just stay in Los Angeles after the game, I guess. Or Tevin Jenkins, either way. Or Mercedes Lewis, too. Or
3: Mercedes. Yeah, all, your whole blocking unit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want any much other part of their roster, but the blocking unit can stay.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Argent,
3: Tyler, any other names you want to bring up before uh, we head out of here today? Nope. Good job, boys, staying away from all the huge, buzzworthy names. Uh, good for us. Look at us. We're yeah, good for us. Proud of you guys. Nice.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, if we didn't talk about a name that you particularly like or would love to see the Chargers inquire about, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, comment, and uh, we'll let you know what we think there. So um, appreciate the support. As always, make sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow each of us on Twitter. We do really appreciate all that support. So that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.